Well, good morning and welcome to Crossroads. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here at our Newburgh campus, or if you're watching online, thanks for being here. Or if you're at our West campus, welcome. We are so excited that you are here with us today. Um, for those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Jacob and I'm the kids pastor here at our Newburgh campus for about two years now, but I've been on staff here at Crossroads for about four and a half years and that is so crazy to think. But man, let me tell you guys, I love our church. I love working here. I love serving with the teams that I get to work with week in and week out. Man, I love this place so much. You know, for me personally, I've been married for a little bit over three years or so to my wonderful wife, Kristen. And she's a nurse um, over here at Deaconess Gateway. But a little over a year ago, we actually added to our family team with the blessing of our daughter, Mia Jordan. I think I've got a picture up here. Yes, there she, oh, is she not the cutest? Come on, yes, she's adorable. Oh, I love her. And man, it's been so awesome figuring out how to be a dad. I've got a long way to go, um, but it's just been amazing getting to be a dad and be an awesome um, just family team together. And now you're gonna have to give me a little bit of grace this morning because it, our Christmas for the Stewarts wasn't so merry because we have all been sick with a stomach bug, with sinus infections. It's just been nuts in the Stewart household over this past week. So I need you guys to give me a little bit of grace as I sound probably a little bit funny this morning, okay? So, but once again, nonetheless, I am really excited to be here with you guys this morning as we are kicking off our new series, Luke. We're over the next six weeks as we are about to head into a new year. Can you believe that? And we're gonna be starting this year off by looking at six major passages in the book of Luke and learning all about the God that is among us. And we're gonna be learning about this guy by the name of Jesus. And we're gonna kick things off today by answering this question. The question we're gonna be asking today is this, is who is Jesus? Why don't you turn to the person that you're sitting next to and ask them, who is Jesus? Okay, good, good, good. Now, 1045 service, here's the deal. I'm, I'm a kid's pastor. So I've got to bring in kid's church to big church this weekend, okay? So what that might mean for you today is I might actually have to uh, tell you to do a few things. You might have to ask your neighbor a question and actually talk to the person that you're sitting next to. You might have to repeat our main points out loud. It's gonna be a ton of fun. So let's start off really simple with this. Are you guys ready to have a good time this morning? Okay, good. All right, we're awake and ready to go. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. Whether you've got um, the actual Bible, the book, or you're on your Bible app um, with, with our new really awesome tool, if you hit the More tab on the Bible app, if you've got that downloaded from your app store, hit the, hit the the thing called events, and then you'll actually, you can find us there and follow along. It's got all the texts in it. It's really cool, it's a new tool that we're using. But I'm gonna ask you guys to also pull out your Bibles, but also be sure that you're taking notes today because I'm gonna invite you guys to write some things out and then we're gonna do something together as a church community later. So if you're not taking notes or you're not normally a note taker, I'm gonna ask you to be one today. Well, let's jump into our text today. I'm gonna to read through our whole passage and then we're gonna jump right in, starting in verse 18 of Luke chapter nine. It says, while he being Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, Jesus asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, and still others that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's 
Messiah. But he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to absolutely no one, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Would you guys bow your heads? Let's close our eyes and let's pray together today. God, I just invite you to reveal to us who your Son is. God, I ask you to show us who he is, what he's done for us. Open our eyes, open our ears to this text in Luke to show us how to understand it, to show us how to then apply it in our lives in 2018 as we head into 2019. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things in your name, amen. Well, to catch you guys up to speed on kind of what's happening here in the book of Luke at this moment, we're kind of at a turning point here because in the first eight chapters of Luke, the author of this book, he's actually a doctor and his name is Luke. He's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. What a name, am I right? He's writing to a a guy by the name of Theophilus, teaching him the way of Jesus, improving the testimony of what Jesus has done. And up to this point, people are really starting to ask the question about Jesus. Who is this dude? Who is this guy? And who does he think he is anyways? Because he's going from town to town with this mass group of followers, probably over 5,000 at this point in our text today. He's over 5,000 followers. He's been healing people. He's been performing miracles. And he's even giving that same power to his disciples to go out and do as well. You know, the religious leaders at the time, the Pharisees, along with the Roman government, they're really starting to think that they've got a problem on their hand because so many people are starting to follow this Jesus guy. And you know, for all of history, we've been trying to answer this question that we're trying to answer today is, who is Jesus? We have so many different thoughts on who he is and what he's done. And Jesus, in his time, he was labeled a prophet. He was labeled a teacher of a good way to live for the poor. And you know what, much like the crowds then, I think we think the same thing of him today in 2018, that he's just those things. He's a savior of sins, he's a prophet of long ago, and he's a teacher of some good morals to live by if we're really good. You know, Jesus, he actually makes a lot of promises in scripture and he promises us that he can give us the best gift ever. And we can only truly have this amazing gift if we understand who he truly is and what he has truly done for us. And this promise, it's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this, it says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, being Jesus, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You know, another translation says, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. That's amazing. I want the best life ever. I don't know about you guys, but I want an amazing life. And Jesus says he can give this to us, but only if he, if we understand who he is and what he's done. 
I want you guys to look at me, look at with me again here in verses 19 and 20 in our text today, because it's really important to see what happens and what Peter does here. It says, they being the disciples, they answer Jesus by saying, well, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah from long ago and still others that maybe you're just one of those other prophets back from the dead. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter being Peter speaks for the entire group. And he says, God's Messiah. Well, there it is, folks. That's actually the answer to our question today. Who is Jesus? He is God's Messiah. It's going to be an awesome new year. We hope to see you back next weekend. I'll see you guys later. Okay, no, don't. You're not allowed to leave yet. Sorry. This is the answer, though. In its most simple form, this is the answer. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God's Messiah. Can everyone say God's Messiah? Yeah, it's going to be really important to understand this because that word Messiah in Greek, it means anointed one. The one that God promised to completely deliver us all from sin and evil. Jesus is the Messiah King. You know, the Israelites back then, the Pharisees and Peter, obviously, they understood what that word meant. But I think in our 21st century today, we've honestly, we've lost what this means for us we don't recognize the weight of it because it all started back in Genesis chapter three. You know, it's in Genesis three that we see God, he makes his first promise for this Messiah to come on to the scene. Whenever he tells the evil serpent after he's tricked Adam and Eve and brought sin into the world in our hearts that he is going to send being God, he's gonna send someone who's gonna crush the head of that serpent. But the serpent will first bite the heel of the Messiah. And this seems a little confusing, and there's honestly, there's not a lot of explanation after this, but we start to see this promise unfold whenever God looks to a man by the name of Abraham, and he says, Abraham, it's through your family tree, it's through your descendants that I'm going to bring blessing, and I'm going to bring goodness back into our world. And so time, it goes on and on, and there's yet to be this answer to a promise that God made, and from Abraham's family rise kings, but these kings don't look like that Messiah, they all end up falling short. The Old Testament story eventually comes to an end and there's yet to be an answer until one beautiful Christmas night, some 2000 years ago, Jesus the Messiah entered the world to answer every promise and every prophecy that was made about him in scripture. And even though he was perfect, he grew up, he lived the perfect life, he committed no sin, and he ended up actually taking on all of our sins and paid the price that we deserve for choosing to go our own way instead of God's way. And he died on a cross. And this seems like a pretty tragic ending to a story, but it fulfills the promise of the serpent biting the heel of the, of the Messiah. But the Messiah, Jesus, he would have the final word. He would crush the head of evil as he rose from the dead three days later and defeated sin. He defeated death once and for all, making way for God's kingdom to be unleashed on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this is the greatest news imaginable. This is the greatest news. Because Jesus is the Messiah King, we actually now have access to that John 10, 10 life that he's talking about right this moment, not just whenever we die and get to heaven because he's already defeated sin and death once and for all. This is the greatest news ever. 
I love what theologian Daryl Bach, he says about this. He says, to be a follower of Jesus is to understand the unique role of Jesus. I love that. If we can believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he's fulfilled every promise made in scripture. If we can believe that he died, that he came back to life three days later and is one day going to return to this actual earth to deal the final blow to sin and death once and for all. If we believe that, then we have to follow the really striking and hard command that follows this realization from Peter today. Because Jesus is the Messiah King over all of creation, all of over humankind, he has a command for us. Look at what he says right after Peter acknowledges him as the Messiah in verse 21. It says, but he strictly warned and instructed the disciples to tell this to no one. Don't say it. Saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You know what Jesus is saying here is I invite you into my life of suffering. And what's crazy to me though, is that it's in this life of suffering that we get the promise of life and life in abundance. Jesus, he calls each and every one of his followers to die as he has died by the cross and follow him. But you know what, for us today, I think we've once again, we've lost what this means for us because the cross in Jesus's time, it definitely wasn't a piece of jewelry that you were wearing on your neck or maybe on your ears. It definitely wasn't a tattoo that you would be getting on your arms like I have underneath this sleeve. And it definitely wasn't a cliche saying of, oh, well, it's just my cross to bear. No, the cross in Jesus's time, it was the worst form of shame imaginable. If you saw someone carrying a cross in their time, they were sentenced to death on it because they had committed one of the most severe crimes in the Roman government. It was the worst form of shame. Whenever you were sentenced to death on the cross, you were whipped, you were beaten, you were made fun of. Then you had to pick up that very thing that you would get nailed to eventually and carry it to where you would die. They would nail you to the cross. The Romans would then pull you up on it and let you hang there and bleed out and suffocate until you died for potentially hours or potentially days. And if no one was there to claim your body to bury it, they would leave it there as an example of what not to do against the Roman government. This is the life that Jesus is calling us into a life of rejection, death, shame, but a life that gets us eternal life in the end. You know, I, I think Jesus, he's a pretty smart guy and he's already answering and thinking about the question that I naturally wanna ask and maybe some of you are asking it too, which is why would I wanna do that? Why would I wanna jump into a life of suffering, Jesus? Well, after he gives that command in verse 23, he actually gives three arguments for the why we should do that in verses 24 through 26. Let's look at it together again. Everybody say number one. 
Number one, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Now everyone say number two. Good, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Everybody say number three. There we go. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the father and the holy angels. Guys, Jesus, he's being very clear here that if we're gonna follow him, we have to deny ourselves, we have to pick up our cross and we have to follow him. We can gain everything here on earth, but we lose it all in the end. Or we can deny ourselves and gain life and life in abundance. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me today on December 30th of 2018? If Jesus is who he said he is, he's inviting me, you, into the kingdom of God. And you wanna do that? How in the world do I deny myself in the age of self-fulfillment of 2018? How do I take up a cross when that's not really a thing anymore? And how in the world do I follow Jesus's ways? How do I do this? Well, we're gonna end today by getting really, really practical. We're gonna go over three things that you can do individually to follow Jesus, the Messiah. And then we're gonna end on doing something together as a church community as we head into 2019. So once again, if you're not taking notes, I'm gonna really encourage you, get your bulletin out, get your Bible app out, get a notebook, something to write on and write these things down because they're gonna be so important with your walk with Jesus. So how do we follow Jesus the Messiah? Well, number one, we have to deny ourselves. You have to deny yourself. It's right there in the command. You have to deny you. You know, I think there's three things in our culture that honestly make this command so foreign to us because what our culture, what media, what advertising, what the rise of self-help and self-hacking will tell you are this, is number one, that nobody and, no and nothing can stand in the way of what I want. Yikes. Two, if anyone or somebody does stand in the way of what I want, it's oppression. And number three, here's what our culture tells us. If I can't get what I want, I can't be happy. This is the story that we all live in, whether you realize it or not, because it's our natural thought processes. This is where the majority of us, and myself included, that we live the majority of our time. We've turned our sense of self and happiness and I into the very main thing. And if anything gets in the way of that, it's oppression. And this, I think Jesus is challenging it. Because if I'm reading Jesus the Messiah correctly, and I think I am, then he's challenging us in this thinking. I think we hear deny yourself, take up your cross, and we think we have to lose ourselves. And this is kind of true, but the self here that Jesus is talking about is the self and not your self. Okay, that can be a little bit confusing, so I'm gonna help parse this out for you today. The self that Jesus is referring to is a part of you, but it's the fleshly desires of your lives and of your hearts. It's the disordered desires of our hearts and minds. You know, I don't think Jesus is looking at us and be like, hey, don't you dare eat that Oreo or that piece of cake after lunch today. Mm -mm. Deny yourselves, pick up your cross. 
I, I don't think he's also saying, don't you dare go home tonight and sleep with a warm blanket and a pillow. Nope, deny yourselves, sleep on the floor. You know what? You should probably just sleep on the concrete outside because you need to deny yourselves and pick up your cross. No, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying that we all have this primal animalistic flesh that is bent towards self-gratification and doing whatever we have to do to make ourselves happy. He says we have to crucify that. But we also have a spirit that is bent towards love and goodwill towards others if we can get it there. We have to crucify the former and live into the latter. We have to crucify our disordered desires of our hearts. You know, for me, I can really resonate with this because I start to think to myself, okay, Jesus, I got it. I can deny myself and what my wants and needs and ambitions are and live for others and follow you. I can, okay, I can do this. I can deny myself. But as I start to get really close to the truth, uh, I start to get pulled away. I think about starting a quiet time with the Lord in the morning through prayer and scripture reading, but it's honestly so much easier to wake up to the alarm of my phone and scroll through Facebook and Instagram. I think about how Jesus, he wants us to serve the poor, but man, it's just so much easier to text or mail in my donation to the Evansville Rescue Mission. He invites us that, oh, I should I should probably maybe cook a meal for my neighbors, have them over, introduce them to my family, maybe introduce them to Jesus. That's changed my life. But you know what? That's gonna make a really big mess in my kitchen. And I honestly, I have no clue what my kids are gonna be like by the time dinner rolls around. And I'm honestly in like the fifth rewatch of the series, The Office right now. And it's almost to my favorite episode. So you know what? I'm gonna finish that. And then I'm gonna pray about having my neighbors over at some point, maybe in the summer, whenever it's warmer. This is where we live. You guys all know it. We live here. And learning to deny ourselves, it takes practice and it takes discipline. But here's the deal. If you want to learn to deny yourself, you have to look to the one who denied himself. If you wanna learn how to deny yourself, you have to look to the one, Jesus, who denied himself on that cross. You know, the best way to learn how to do this, how to deny ourselves is looking to Jesus, getting reprogrammed in our hearts and our minds. We have to be with Jesus. In order to deny ourselves, we actually have to spend time. We have to be with Jesus. Guys, this takes time. It takes practice. And then honestly, it takes years and years of work. I have such a long way to go in this but we have to spend time in solitude and prayer in order to be with Jesus. We need to desperately devote the first part of our days to scripture, prayer, and worship. You know, I love what our high school pastor, Ross Langston, uh, he teaches to our high school students about the first 15. He challenges our students to spend five minutes of your morning in prayer, five minutes reading scripture, and then five minutes just listening to worship music. Man, could you imagine your day if you started the first 15 minutes of your day like that? There's no greater way to be with Jesus than starting your day like that. And there's honestly, there's no better way to learn how to deny your thoughts, your plans, your ambitions than to ask what Jesus wants of you first in the day and who you could put above yourself than that. So to follow Jesus, the Messiah, we have to deny ourselves, but 
we also have to pick up our crosses. How to follow Jesus the Messiah, we have to take up our cross. We have to pick up the very thing that's gonna get you killed. It's gonna get you made fun of. It's gonna bring you shame. But in the end, you get eternal life. For some of us, this might actually mean going towards your actual death. You know, we have missionary partners in different countries all around the world, and that is a definite reality for them. They face death daily. But for us here in the West in the 21st century in Newburgh and Evansville, Indiana, I think we probably face not so much of actual death for a belief in Christ, but we face more of being made fun of, having shame in our families, in a fear of our reputation being tarnished in the community and in our workplace for us more than an actual death. You know, a lot of us in the room, we might be thinking to ourselves right now, man, if I'm gonna follow this Jesus, the Messiah, I've gotta get rid of this. I've gotta start getting rid of that. I've gotta get rid of this and that in my life. But Jesus, I think is saying, don't focus so much on getting rid of the wrong things in your life, but focus on picking up the right thing, the cross. We could say it this way, is that whatever you pick up, it dictates what you have to put down. Whatever you pick up in your life, it dictates what you honestly have to put down in your life. You know, to deny ourselves, we have to be with Jesus, but to take up our crosses, we have to become like Jesus. To take up our cross, you have to become like Jesus. Guys, whenever we take up our cross and become like Jesus, we have to think through his characteristics and invite the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of Jesus. We have to crucify the flesh. We have to crucify our natural bent reactions and our thoughts and wants and needs and instead live in step with the Spirit. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul, a guy who spent the majority of his life killing Christians, he made a career out of it, but he met Jesus, his life changed, and he ended up writing over half of our New Testament. Look at what he says to the people of Galatia in the book of Galatians chapter five. He says about the flesh, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Woo. No one makes it out of this list alive. <laughs> if you didn't resonate with anything on that list, I think you might have some self-discovery that you need to do about yourself today. And I'll be more than glad to help with you with that after service. But everyone is in this list, whether you realize it or not. And those are the things that we have to crucify. These are the things that are gonna come up naturally in our lives, in our thought processes. Jesus is asking us to put those to death and instead we get access to this. Paul continues. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and it's self-control. The law is not against such things. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Does that not sound amazing to you? Yes, I want those things said about me. I hope when people are talking about me that those are the words that they're using instead of the first list, right? I want that. And if you pick up your cross and crucify yourself, it forces you to lay down those bad things. It's kind of hard, honestly, to walk around carrying your cross and holding on to your problems. I'll tell you, it's impossible, actually. If you're carrying around your problems, it means you've probably laid down your cross. Because here's the deal, if you pick up your cross, it forces you to lay down your lust. If you pick up your cross, it forces you to lay down your past. If you pick up your cross, you gotta put down those addictions in your life. Whatever your thing is, Jesus is saying, what you're focused on is what you will follow. What you have your eyes set on, what you think about constantly, that is what you follow and that is what you will become. Guys, the cross isn't just something that Jesus did for us, it's something we do with him. It's not just an event in the past life of Jesus. It's a way of life in 2018 as we head into 2019. So let's pick up our crosses and let's follow him, which leads me to the third thing we can do as individuals to follow Jesus, the Messiah, which is to follow him. Seems a little redundant, but anytime you see something like this in scripture, it means they're trying to make a point. In order to follow Jesus, we actually have to do what Jesus did. If we're gonna follow him, we have to do what Jesus did in his life and in his ministry here on earth. You know, in Greek, the word we see for being a disciple of Jesus is mathetes. Everyone say mathetes after me. Okay, that's pretty good. Now you know a Greek word, congratulations. You know, that Greek word there is much better translated to apprentice instead of disciple. You know, an apprentice, they actually study under a master for a certain craft, but then they practice it and train with that master to become a master themselves. And in return, they go make another apprentice. You know, in order to follow Jesus, you actually have to do the things that he did. It is no good to just spend solitude, prayer, and a quiet devotional in the morning with Jesus and that be that. That's a really good starting place. But Jesus calls us to pick up the cross and follow him in his ways that he did here on earth. As you spend more time with Jesus, as you deny yourself and pick up your cross, you're gonna figure out how to do the things that he did as you read in scripture. You're gonna figure out how to pray for others and not feel awkward about it. You're gonna figure out how to get away in solitude and prayer with Jesus and not worry about the a million notifications that you have on your phone. You're gonna figure out how to fast and not starve all day long. You're gonna figure out how to teach the gospel and not worry about all the right words you think you need to say. You're gonna figure out how to bring peace into your family, into your community. You're gonna figure out how to bring justice to issues right here in our community. Guys, those are just a few examples of what Jesus did during his ministry on earth. And guess what? You can do those things too, because if you believe Jesus is king, then the same spirit that rose him from the dead three days later, it now lives and empowers you to go out and do the same things that Jesus did. That's amazing. You know, my wife, she's um, actually studying right now to be a nurse practitioner. 
And it's a two-year program, and this year one that she's in is a lot of sitting in front of a computer, researching, writing, uh, commenting on, like, discussion board posts on her uh, class. And it would be really silly of my wife, Kristen, to, after this year one, after all this studying and researching that she's done, to walk into a physician's office, a hospital, whatever that may be, and be like, okay, I've studied enough, I've researched enough, I am ready to be a nurse practitioner, hire me. No physician and no nurse practitioner would do that. Why? Because she hasn't done her clinicals. She hasn't studied underneath another nurse practitioner or another physician to become what they are. Because they, she hasn't done what they do. She hasn't completed her training. This is the same for us whenever we follow Jesus. We can't just study and have this quiet time with Jesus in the morning and expect for the kingdom to come here on earth. No, if you want the lifestyle of John 10, 10, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's what we have to do. We have to follow his ways. So that's the command. If Jesus is who he said he is, if he's the king, we have to deny ourselves. We have to pick up our cross and we have to follow him, each as individuals first. But as I said earlier, we would end today by doing something together as a congregation as we head into 2019. You know, as we're heading into 2019, this is the year, or this is the time of the year, that everyone starts to kind of write out their New Year's resolutions, their goals, all that fun stuff. How many of you guys have set goals already for 2019? Okay, a few of you, some of you in here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I'm hoping I might um, mix that up a little bit, or we can throw those in the trash. Because um, I've got a really good challenge, I think, for you guys today. You know, we all make goals, but I'm sure you may have heard of the statistic that by the time January gets to a close and as we head into February, 95% of resolutions are all completely broken or not continuing. Why is that? Well, goals, they're typically set on the finish line. They're set on who we want to become, what we want to do. They're set on the finish line instead of the daily discipline of getting to that goal. Guys, to reach a goal in our lives, we have to change our rhythms and our habits in our lives in order to change. And church, we are truly believing that if we, each of us put into practice new rhythms into our lives of denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following Jesus's ways, our church and our community will be dramatically transformed in 2019. And so we wanna get really practical with you guys today with this teaching. We wanna give you a framework for these new rhythms to put into your life as we head into the new year. So once again, Wherever you're taking notes, if you haven't written a thing down yet, I'm gonna ask you to do this right now. Take out your notebook, your phone, the bulletin, the Bible app, whatever it may be. And I want you to write this statement out. And we're gonna leave this up here for a bit, but here it is. In 2019, I want to spend less time blank and spend more time with Jesus by blank. What is this for you? You know, for me, I'll be honest, and I'm gonna 
hopefully take hold of the digital addiction that I have and spend less time on my phone, on social media, on Netflix, and spend more time with Jesus by solitude and prayer. I desperately want to fix and focus time of prayer through several different points of my day, not just in the morning or before a meal, but it in the morning, in the afternoon, to remind myself of who I'm serving and who I'm bringing glory to, to get closer to Jesus. I don't wanna mindlessly just scroll through a glass rectangle anymore because that's honestly what we do. I wanna spend more time with Jesus. I wanna spend more time face to face with my daughter, with my wife, with my neighbors. I don't know what this is for you, but I wanna take actually a couple seconds this morning with the keys going behind us. And we're gonna, I'm gonna let you guys fill this statement out wherever you're sitting and wherever you're taking notes. It might feel a little bit awkward, but that's okay. We think that if we all commit to doing this, both here, online, and at our West Campus, we know that our 2019, our church and our community is gonna be dramatically transformed. So I'm gonna give you guys some space and some time to fill this out and let's all commit. Thank you guys for doing that. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. I want you to take this day to continue to think about what this is gonna look like for you to set up a new rhythm into your 2019 to be with Jesus. And once you're done, I want you to put it somewhere in your home where you're gonna be able to see it every day. Set a reminder on your phone that it's the first thing that you're gonna see whenever your alarm goes off. Tell your small group about it and hold each other accountable. Because like I said, if we all do this and commit to this, our church and our community is going to dramatically change. You know, there's a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he actually wrote a book on this subject that we've been talking about today called The Cost of Discipleship. And he's got a famous quote there that he begins the book with wherever, whenever, and he says this. He says, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the invitation. And we've been counting this cost of discipleship today to come and die and have life with Jesus or gain the whole world and lose our life. But there's also another cost that we have to figure up today. It's the cost of non-discipleship or non-apprenticeship to Jesus. As Jesus ends this passage in Luke 9, in verse 26, he says, if any of you, are ashamed of me and my commands. Whenever I return to this earth one day, I will be ashamed of you. And there is no gray area. This is a black and white thing. He's saying that I will be ashamed of you. We can strive after the car, 
We can strive after the glorious retirement, the paycheck, the reputation with our colleagues in the workplace. We can strive after the status of ourselves online, in our neighborhoods, and in our community, but you will forfeit life and life in abundance. You can gain everything here on earth, but you are going to lose it all in the end. This is what Jesus promises. But on the flip side, he says, we can lose everything now. We can lose recognition. We can put our wants and needs aside for Jesus and his kingdom advancement here in Newburgh and in Evansville as it is in heaven and step into the life of suffering and get life in abundance. Maybe that statement for you, it needs to say, I'm spending less time on me and spending more time with Jesus by giving him all of my life. And the first thing you do going into this next year is saying, I'm following him. I'm getting into this water over here. I'm getting baptized and I'm gonna live a life of daily dying to myself. But maybe for some of you, you've done that a long time ago. And something just hasn't been right with your relationship with Jesus. You haven't felt peace. You haven't felt this life and life in abundance. Let me tell you that if you commit to putting in that new rhythm in your life with Jesus in this new year, I can bet that your life and everything about it, it's gonna be different. And it's ultimately, it's your choice, but you have to be sure that you count the costs. Let's all bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray together. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, the gift that he is for us, and that he welcomes us into your kingdom right this very moment, not just whenever we die and get to heaven, but your kingdom is here on earth right now, and we can live in it, we can step into life and life to the full. Lord, I ask that you show us in 2019 how to pick up our cross, how to deny ourselves, and how to follow your ways. And whenever we do, we will have life and life to the full. Lord, we love you. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.